0: as we go along. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 19, the word of God says, Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backslidings shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord of hosts. Let's pray. Lord, help us now as we turn to the scripture, give us insight into the truth that we have here. Lord, teach us how to pray for these that are away from you, that are are backslidden, and Lord, may we see some people in our community, in our local congregation, come back to you who are struggling. You're the teacher, we're the students, Holy Spirit, use this time to teach us the eternal word of God, we pray in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. We talked last week about... This concept of backsliding. Uh, The Bible said in Hosea 4.16 that Israel slideth back as a backsliding heifer. We talked about what the idea of backsliding is, sliding away from God. We used to be closer to God, now we've slidden back away from God. And backsliding is a, a real issue. We talked about what is a backslider, why do people backslide, what does backsliding look like? Uh, And uh, who are the backsliders? Backsliders versus apostates. It's important that we identify them and treat them appropriately. And then is there hope for backsliders? And thank God the answer is yes. Hosea 14.4, God says, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. And thank God that if you ever get away from God, he makes a way for you to come home. Just like we talked about with that prodigal. We can always come home. If we'll humble ourselves. So now that we've learned the what, who, why, and how of backsliding, we want to continue our investigation into the scripture. By the way, uh, that message is on our, our website, the media page, CurtisCornerBaptist.comslash media, if you want to go back and watch that if you missed it or listen to it. So today I want to just look a little bit further into some Bible facts about backsliders, why backsliding is so bad, And then specifically, how we can pray for backsliders to come back to God. Uh, Clearly, the longer someone is backslidden, um, the more difficult it is for them to come home. That's why it's so important that we keep short accounts with God. That when we get away from God a little bit, we make it right quickly. Uh, And what that means is no matter how far away you are from God tonight either here or watching online or watching later, no matter how far away from God you are tonight, this moment is the best time to come back to God. Because tomorrow you're a little further, and the next day you're a little further, and a week from now, and a month from now. And the longer you wait, the harder it becomes to go back to God. Not, not because he, he is resisting you, but it's harder for us to humble ourselves and get things right as the chains of sin wrap around us tighter. So I want to just make some statements here about backsliding and just go through the scriptures, show you some scriptures about backsliding. Number one, backsliding leads to pain, suffering, and chastisement. Backsliding leads to pain, suffering, and chastisement. We read it here in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 19. Thine own wickedness shall correct thee. And the Bible says the way of transgressors is hard. Folks, if you think it's going to be easier for you to walk away from God, you think, uh, more maybe you say like that man with the talents, oh, I knew you were a, an austere man, and God's a hard man, and he's difficult to work for, and, and boy, he just makes everything so difficult, and all the, the standards and the expectations. Boy, God, God's such a hard taskmaster Well, you ain't seen nothing yet until the devil gets a hold of you. The truth is God is generous and kind and loving. And he does hold us accountable. But he does it with grace and mercy. Where Satan is a, a destroyer, a murderer, and a liar. And so if you think it's hard now, just get into sin. Your own wickedness will reprove you. But then further, not only does backsliding lead to pain and suffering it leads to chastisement where God has to get involved and now he has to begin working on us. Notice the rest of the verse here. Thine own wickedness shall correct thee. Thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord of hosts. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But notice here in this verse, no good comes from drawing away from God. What feels like freedom and pleasure quickly turns to bondage and suffering. And some of us have been there, and we know it for a fact. I always worry about the young people, because they know it by, uh, by knowledge as far as hearing it. But sometimes they don't have the faith to believe it and make life decisions on it. You know, some people have to figure it out themselves. Just like some children, you can say, don't touch the candle, and they're like, okay. And some children, you say, don't touch the candle, and <laughs> they just got to touch it. And after they touch it, they're like, oh! That's why I don't touch it. Uh, but it's always best just to believe God ahead of time, right? Just trust God. You don't have I don't have to get hit in the face with a baseball bat to know it doesn't sound like a good idea. Right? Some things you should just know. Satan's very good at his job. He's a deceiver. Uh, And backsliding leads to pain, suffering, and chastisement. So it's not just the, the pain and suffering, but the chastisement. In a response to willful sin, God must remove his protection and blessing. Think about that. Here's one of Satan's greatest tricks. I want you to hear me because we don't talk about it enough. If you're a, if you're a committed Christian, even a marginal Christian, you've got a pretty decent life. You've got a pretty good marriage, pretty good family, pretty comfortable home. I mean comfortable by possessions. I mean just getting along, you know, nice. you got a, you got a decent life. But one of the greatest tricks of Satan is he, he wants you to believe that you can add sin to your life and everything stays the same. And it's a lie. Because as soon as you start adding sins to your decent life, the sin changes your life. Boy, wouldn't it be great if you could have a great marriage and sin? Boy, wouldn't it be great if you could have wonderful, respectful kids, and just have sin rampant in your home. Well, wouldn't it be great if you could be a decent, moral person and treat each other with kindness and just let wickedness in one little room of your heart? Man, that's what Satan wants you to believe. But the truth is, as soon as we embrace sin, everything else begins to change. Part of the reason is God removes His blessing and has to begin chastising just the fact for God to remove his protection. We have no idea how much more difficult life would be if God just removed his protection from our life. But now he not only removes the protection from the incidental things and the attacks of Satan, but now God says, I've got to give you a spanking because of your disobedience. That's tough. And I want to use a biblical word here, cursing. Cursing. So, the Bible teaches that when we sin willfully, God must remove his protection and blessing, replacing it with chastisement and cursing. And when I say cursing, I mean it in the biblical sense, not saying bad words with your mouth, not some type of magical incantation by a wizard. The the Bible idea of cursing, cursing or being cursed is that it's a call for mischief and injury. The Bible says if you don't tithe, you'll be cursed with a curse. doesn't mean God's up in heaven doing hocus-pocus on you. It means that it's a call for injury. It's a call for mischief. So now not only is God's blessing removed, but now we have an appointment with mischief. We have an appointment with suffering and injury. I tell you what, friend, it's just a whole lot better to stay under the umbrella of God's protection and God's blessing. All right number two. Backsliding is the evil and bitter sin of forsaking God. So we find here in the same verse, Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, Jeremiah 2.19. Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see it, see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not with thee, saith the Lord of hosts. It's an evil and bitter sin to abandon God. It's the worst of transgressions to forsake the God who sacrificed His only begotten Son to save us. It is the deepest betrayal to turn away from the Savior that bore our sin debt for the fleeting pleasure of the very sins He died from which to save us. It's a betrayal. And God says, it's an evil and bitter thing. It doesn't get any worse. So why is backsliding such a big deal? For that very reason. Number one, we said backsliding leads to pain, suffering, and chastisement. Number two, backsliding is the evil and bitter sin of forsaking God. Number three, backsliding is idolatry. Look at Jeremiah chapter 3. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 6. The Lord said also unto me in the days of Josiah the king, hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel hath done? She has gone up upon every high mountain and under every green tree, and there hath played the harlot. So the high mountains and the green trees, what they would do is they would build little worship centers, their own personal worship centers in like groves of trees, or they would make their own personal altars to false gods or sometimes even to God. They're worshiping the right God in the wrong way, or they were worshiping the wrong God. You know, the Bible says that they were supposed to go to the tabernacle. They were supposed to go later to the temple for these things. But they would have sacrifices. They would plant a nice little grove of trees, make a nice little ritualistic altar. And just like a lot of religious accoutrement today, it's it's very artistic and very beautiful. But it's wicked. Because that's not what God wants. God wants us to worship Him in the way He has told us to. And so this is idolatry. Backsliding is choosing self or sin over the Savior. So sometimes we put ourselves, we idolize ourselves instead of God. But sometimes it's removing God from the throne of your heart and replacing Him with a person, a place, a passion, or possession. Sometimes I've literally seen people say, I want that boy more than I want God. I want that girl more than I want God. They make an idol and it never turns out well. I've seen people say, I want this place more. I want to I go there. I want to move there. I want to be here. I want this house. I want, I want that place, that place. And they'll move outside of the will of God because they've idolized a place. And that place has become an idol. Sometimes it's a passion. Well, I don't go to church on Sunday because of sports. And well, you know, they they, they play the games on Sunday. I gotta stay home and watch watch the Super Bowl. You know, I, I can't DVR it. I gotta stay home what it's gonna take me all day to, to make the, the, the fixings and just put that thing first place right there. Build an altar to it. For some people it's it's some other passion. Something they enjoy. It's fishing, it's hunting, it's recreation but they'll put it before the Lord. I don't care what God wants. This thing is more important. Sometimes it's a Amen. possession. I want nice things. But backsliding is the idolatry of putting anything before the Lord. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Alright, number three, backsliding is idolatry. Number four, backsliding is Spiritual adultery. Look at Jeremiah chapter three, and verse eight. And I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel commended adult committed adultery, that I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce, yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. So last week we reminded you that the Twelve tribes broken up into the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. Israel, uh, often referred to the ten northern tribes. Judah, the two southern tribes. Israel uh, went corrupt first, got judged first. But Judah, which the Bible calls her younger sister, didn't learn from her older sister's mistakes. She went the same way. I've got people right now that I'm praying for them because it seems they haven't learned from the example of the people that have gone before. And they're walking down the same path that ruined the lives. They have a visual illustration right in front of their face of how much sin hurts and what it does. And yet they're going the same way. They can't seem to connect the dots. And this happened to Judah. But notice it said they played the harlot. Notice in verse 6, he played the harlot because God, think of it this way. Our relationship with God is so sacred that he sees idolatry as adultery. A married couple, one of them breaks the marriage vows and goes into the what should be the marriage bed with someone else. God said, that's the way I feel about it. When you, when you put a different God before me, it's not just idolatry. It's you're cheating on me. You're playing the harlot. The New Testament teaches us the same truth. James 4.4, 4, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. You say, how can we cheat on on God? How can we break our vows by putting the world before Him? Think about it this way. A husband would not appreciate his wife being a, quote, friend to someone that was actively trying to seduce her. Every moment they were together, He was actively trying to seduce her and get her to break her vows. I don't know a husband that would be like, well, as long as you're just friends. And wives the same way. I don't know of a wife that would be okay with her husband being a friend to someone that was actively trying to seduce him. You've got to understand, friend, the world system is actively trying to seduce us away from Christ. It is built to lure us away from the Savior. And so God goes so far to say, if you're a friend of the world, you're the enemy of God. See, God takes this backsliding stuff pretty pretty seriously. Well, I'm not that backslidden. (laughs) Then you don't understand the Scripture. And you don't understand how a little bit leads to a lot. You know, the old saying, give the devil an inch and he'll become your ruler. So true. All right, we said number one, backsliding leads to pain, suffering, and chastisement. Number two, backsliding is the evil and bitter sin of forsaking God. Number three, backsliding is idolatry. Number four, backsliding is spiritual adultery. Adultery. Number five, Backsliders justify their sinful actions. Look at Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 11. And the Lord said unto me, The backsliding Israel hath justified herself more than treacherous Judah. Do you notice that the backsliding Israel justified herself? Backsliders always justify their sinful actions. Rarely as a backslidden Christian, look at you and say, I'm backslidden. If they do, they're a lot closer to repentance. And that's the first step because the first step of coming back to God is saying, I'm backslidden. I'm away from God. i got to get this right. But typically backsliders, they justify themselves because it's never their fault. And, matter of fact, they've got good reason. To justify oneself is giving reasons in an attempt to make your actions look righteous when wrong or to clear yourself when guilty. So, backsliders give reasons to try to make their actions look right or to try to clear themselves whenever they're guilty. Backsliders say things like, I don't need to go to church to feel close to God. Which in itself may be true, but that's not the issue. You're commanded to go. And there's no room in the New Testament for any committed Christian to not be a faithful member of a local church. Backsliders, I've heard them say things like, I'm closer to God than I've ever been. As their kids are a mess. They have wrinkle lines they didn't used to have. Marriage is struggling. Back at the bar. I'm, 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 I'm better than I ever have. They'll say things like, my life is great. Never been better. Or maybe they'll blame things. You know, I'm really the right one, and and that they're the wrong one. You know, that Bible's wrong. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible means. And when they can't say that's not what the Bible says, because it says it, they'll say that's not what it means. That's what it says. But that's not what it means. You know, do you ever notice that the the best theologians on what the word wine in the Bible means are alcoholics? They'll start talking about Greek words, and they'll start talking about no, the truth is you just want to justify your alcohol. You know some of the best people that, th- that think they know the most about how God created the world are people that tell me, well, God created marijuana. God said every herb's good. He created it all. Must be okay. to Smoke as much as you want. Recreational purposes. Deaden your feelings. Use that to calm down your anxiety and deal with your problems instead of leaning on the Lord? And I always ask them, when did God say that before or after the fall? And if they know the Bible, their eyes always kind of go... Because they realize God said that before the fall. Uh, you know, cigarettes, they, they don't hurt anybody. I mean, back in the 60s, you had doctors telling you that cigarettes were good for you, (laughs) right? And preachers were always like, this isn't a good thing. But there's always a reason. They'll say things like, well, that church is legalistic. Now that pastor's a dictator. Ah, God doesn't care what I do. I go to a different church now that's that's more inclusive. What does that mean? You can live however you want and not feel any conviction. But one thing you can always see in a backslider is a slide away. A slide away. A preacher says you shouldn't listen to that worldly music, but I mean, I listen to this and it's okay. That one song may not be too bad. Oh, but you just keep going. You just keep going. Well, I'm just going to wear this and nobody should... Oh, if you just watch that. Those clothes get tighter, skimpier, lower, higher. The one consistent about backsliding is the slide. <laughs> it's a, it is a slippery slope. I think a lot of backsliders think that they're going to get to a certain point and stop without realizing they don't get to decide where to stop. Right. Number six, backsliders can return to God. Look at Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 12. Is this helpful to you? Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 12. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return, thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you, for I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep my anger forever. Only acknowledge thine iniquity that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God, and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree, and ye have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord. For I am married unto you, and will take you one of a city, and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Verse 22, return ye backsliding children, I will heal your backslidings see, backsliders can always return to God, but the longer they're away, the harder it is. And there's only one way to ever come back to God, and that is by repentance and confession and forsaking. Repentance is just changing your mind. You know what? I was wrong. That was sin. And you know what? It wasn't those people's fault. It was my fault. And maybe they even did wrong, but I didn't have to do wrong. And I often tell people that if you take the blame, God removes the guilt. But if you're trying to pass the blame, the guilt and shame stays on you. You've got to stop blaming everybody. We are responsible for us. And the first step to coming back to God is to say, I'm away from God. I'm backslidden some. Maybe people can see it, maybe people can't, but I know in my heart I'm not where I ought to be. But thankfully, God can heal our backslidings. Let me show you Jeremiah chapter 8. Jeremiah chapter 8. In verse 5. Why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast deceit. They refuse to return. No believer is compelled to stay backslidden. As we've learned here tonight, God always makes a way of restoration for any backslider that wants to come home. If they're willing to confess their sin, forsake their sin, return to humble obedience, There's always a way to come home. But why is it some people don't come home? Why do some stubborn prodigals refuse to return to God? I mean, their lives are a mess, they're wasting their gifts. It's because they cling to lies and rebellion. And the lies and rebellion are the very things killing them. The Bible says they hold fast deceit. They refuse to return. It's lies and rebellion. They cling to lies. They, consp- they cling to perceived offenses. Whenever you get bitter and you get backslidden, you misremember things. One of the hardest things to do with dealing with someone who's, who's truly in the snare of the devil is they misremember things. I mean, their version of history is completely different. And really the only way you they believe it so much, the only way you know better is because you were there. I don't know how many times I've talked to people, and boy, they're so convinced something happened, and I'll be like, brother or sister, that's just not true. I was there. This is how this happened. This is what was said. No, that's not what happened. No, that's not what they did. No, that's not. But they misremember it and they believe it. And they cling to it because it justifies their rebellion. So what do we do? How can we pray for these people to turn to God? We won't take time tonight. Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one to a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So faithful Christians should seek to restore backslidden Christians. But we've got to do it in such a way that we're not going to be tempted to follow suit. James 5.19 and 20 also gives some information about that. So the the answer is, what do you do when someone won't listen to you? What do you do if someone won't listen to reason? They won't listen to to please? Uh, What do you do when someone won't turn back? Maybe they're hardened. Maybe they're right there, but they just, something's holding them back. What do we do? And the answer is we pray for them. Sometimes the only thing you can do is pray for them. And I want to give you some specific thoughts about how to pray for them, and then we'll go to the house. I've got 32 of them here. I won't give you all of them. We'll we'll put this into to print later. But these are specific prayer requests that you can go to this thing and say, I've got somebody that, that is away from God, somebody that's backslidden, and I want them to come home. I don't know how to pray for them. What can I do? Let's see how many we can get through in the next couple minutes. Pray that backsliders would sense the relentless conviction of the Holy Spirit. So oftentimes backsliders have hardened their heart they've quenched the spirit they have uh, grieved the spirit the spirit's not working in their lives they've seared their conscience but one thing we pray is for the holy spirit to convict them relentlessly i mean relentlessly in such a way that even a grieved and quenched uh, spirit and a calloused heart can't deny that god's moving Remember, God will never make anybody do anything, but he can convict them in a way that they can't deny. So that's what we're asking for, that they would sense the relentless conviction of the Holy Spirit. They wouldn't be able to block it out. They wouldn't be able to ignore it. They wouldn't be able to drown it out with more music, more booze, more drugs, uh, more, uh, more sin. They have to pay attention to it. So This is what we're praying for. And number two, of course, that they would respond to God's chastisement. We want them to sense conviction, and respond to God's chastisement, to turn back to God. But we keep praying. Number three, we realize we want them to realize the wickedness of their sin. Ah, there's nothing wrong with that. How many times have you heard somebody say that? Ah, nothing wrong with that. They need to realize it's, it's wicked. It's sinful. Number three, they need to understand how their sin is hurting others. I've got a few people in my heart and mind right now. Their children are dead desperately suffering because of the unwillingness of the parents to do what God wants them to do. And my fear is, it's only the beginning. I can think of husbands who are hurting their wives and children, wives who are hurting their husbands and children. The list goes on and on, but we've got to see that our... What do people say? My sin's not hurting anybody. No, it is. Number five, humble themselves before God. Humility is what's necessary. Number six, to let go of their bitterness. You know, most backslidden people have grabbed on to some offense, perhaps real or perhaps perceived, but they've they've clung to some offense and they've chosen to be bitter and they're blaming that person or that circumstance for all their decisions. We know that one thing, that one word, that one conversation, that one action is not the cause of years of bad decisions. At some point, you have to say, "I'm in control here. I've got agency. I can make some decisions," and turn to God. But oftentimes they hold on to their bitterness. Number seven, we pray for them to cease from their stubbornness. Sometimes people don't even know why they won't turn to God. They're just in stubbornness. Number eight, to recognize the evil of forsaking God and all his blessings. Number nine, to see through the devil's lies. Number ten, to renounce their idols and put God first again. Number eleven, to sense the betrayal of spiritual adultery. To sense the betrayal of what they're doing to God. Number 12, to stop justifying their sin. Stop making excuses. Number 13, quit making excuses for foolish decisions. Number 12 has to do with the sin. Number 13 has to do with the decisions, the bad decisions they keep making. All right, number 14, stop blaming others for their failures. We talked about that a little bit under bitterness. Number 15, to love God more than sin. And you know, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And the, the root cause of all of our sin is because we don't love Jesus enough. It's not because sin's so deceitful or so powerful. Ultimately, it's because we just don't love Jesus enough. Because the love of Christ is able to overcome all those things. Number 16, to remember that they will stand before God. You know, when you're all caught up in sin, you're not thinking of all these things. You're thinking about the next pleasure, the next fix, the next payday, the next time you can go to the casino, the next whatever. You're not thinking about, you've got an appointment with God. Number 17, respond humbly to faithful Christians trying to restore them. Number 18, to see that there is hope and forgiveness and healing if they turn back to God. So we've got a lot more of those specifically. But do you see how you can take these specific requests and you say, well, how can I pray for someone more than just bless so-and-so, help so-and-so not to be backslidden? This is where we're talking about going to war in our prayer closet, where you can, like we talked about for an unsaved person, praying people to Jesus or someone who's sick, or in this case, someone who is backslidden, where you can take these requests and fight for them in the prayer closet, begging God, begging God, begging God for specific things and this is how the bible teaches us how to pray for others i hope that's a blessing to you and i'm praying that even this year within the next weeks or even months we could see people turn back to god and not just slightly but i mean full restoration absolute full restoration because god's capable of it let's pray lord thank you for the